0: 25, 25. All right. All right. This is the new podcast right. on the airwaves. Ladies okay. and gentlemen, I introduce you to the customer. the back. Yes, up. it is. End of the JV bench once again. Like she said, that was my daughter, Sienna. This is the hottest podcast going. Uh, episode two, uh, back at it again with Big Dick Rick, Ricky Beer Bomb. How are we doing tonight, brother? Oh, you know, we're living our dream, baby. Absolutely, absolutely. What you drinking on tonight there, Rick? I've got a uh, nice Urban
1: Artifact Fire Iron. Nice, absolutely. Midwest Tart or something like that. I don't know, it's delicious, though.
0: I'm going with the uh, Johnny e. Fitzgerald Larceny uh, Kentucky Bourbon. I tell you what, this is my first time with her. Um, it's a small batch, 92 proof uh i I gotta tell you man this shit is delicious it uh it's on the lower end of the cost range but jesus christ man it tastes just as good as stuff two to three times as expensive man i tell you what you can't you can't beat it especially not for the price um so today uh, i know that uh last time we didn't talk a whole lot of golf i've been watching golf today the uh wgc out in california However, we got to start on a far more somber note. Um, I read an article this morning that basically said that Tiger's return, if ever, is going to be a very difficult road to travel. Um, it's it's a real crushing blow. I've I've been a lot bigger fan of his since his uh, resurgence, just because he seems like a guy that more enjoys the sport more enjoys, uh, being the celebrity of the sport, more gracious with his fans and, uh, just seems to be enjoying life and enjoying golf. And, uh, the idea that he may never play again is quite a blow. Um, you know, since my son at about six years old, you know, said he wanted to be a golfer, dad, I want to, I want to be a golfer. And instantly the first guy that, that he idolized was Tiger Woods, got his Funko pop and everything. And, Anybody knows my son, he ain't into shit except for Roblox and soda. So, you know, just the idea that uh, Tiger wouldn't be playing anymore would would definitely be a hard pill to swallow. Um, my question for you is, if Tiger does not play another professional round of golf, what do you feel his legacy is of the sport?
1: Um, my personal opinion is Tiger is – Tiger's the greatest to ever do it, in my opinion. Um and I say that. I know I know the Golden Bears got more majors. Um and but, Jack was a
0: buckeye to boot.
1: Yeah, and exactly. And which I'm not mad about because he's <laughs> an Ohio boy, but um no, Tiger brought Tiger brought flash to the game. He brought the excitement. He at a time when golf was kind of down people weren't watching it so much because there wasn't that superstar boom tiger came onto the scene and he made golf i feel like what it is today i feel like he inspired the the dustin johnsons and the uh justin thomas's tony finau's the brooks kepka's like he made it oh he made it the long game was cool um he wasn't an, he's an artist with a golf club in his hand you go like uh, the one, the one shot where he was in the bunker, and he hooked the. But there's a giant tree in front of him. He hooked it around the tree out of a bunker and lands it on the green seven foot from the pin. How many other guys are out there doing that, man?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, he could he could make what what you might want to call a trick shot. He could make you know the the nice finesse shots. When he's on, he's putting at a world-class level. I mean, typically his game, if he doesn't putt well, it doesn't matter. There's been a lot of tournaments that he just, you know, several two putts and still just annihilated the field. Um, I just think back to, uh, I think it was 2018, and he hadn't won in such a long stretch, and it wasn't a major uh, I couldn't tell you what the, the tournament was, but when he was going to the 18th green and it became evident that all he had to do was not piss down his leg and he was going to finally win in another tournament, um, just the way that the entire gallery engulfed him to where the sheriffs and and state troopers had to physically move people for him to be able to get onto the green. Um, one, his approach to it, he, he approached it with such a big smile and, and you know, wasn't an asshole about it, wasn't shoving people himself, didn't have a smug look on his face. You know, he, he appreciated after his fall and his resurrection, like what golf finally meant to him again. Um, and you could see it all across his face. But then... At the same time, um, you saw a reaction from a fan base that is usually reserved for more of a spectator sport. Uh, it, it It's like the kid that ran down the, the stairs at, uh, I think it was Madison Square Garden, to go out and give LeBron a hug and shit. You know, th- those are the kind of guys, but, but that is a, a fan-based type of a sport. Golf's a very lonely sport for the most part. I mean, shit, how many... Most places you can't take more than four guys out on a round. So, you know, it's it's a very individualized sport that just doesn't have a lot of fan appeal other than your mega superstars. And even to that extent, that reaction that he got was, it it just showed how much more he meant to his sport than any other guy has ever meant to their sport ever. You know, if, if it would be like, if the entire arena cleared out and onto the floor after Jordan hit a game winner, or um, you know, if if at the Super Bowl the entire stadium laid out onto the field to celebrate with Tom Brady, you know, it's it's that yeah. kind of a reaction that tells you, in my opinion, just based on on the environment itself, that Tiger Woods has meant more to the game of golf than any person has ever meant to any other sport in the history of sport. And the fact that he did it, he he did it in a way that he was so good that everybody hated him, at, you know, early in his career. He was the young kid, sure. a lot of swagger, and just a prick in a lot of, a lot of senses, you know. And um, I, I think what brought him down, I was never a fan of, like, the fact that, he be, his life became such a circus because of infidelities. Uh Like, where, where the fuck do you get your stones from, sinner? Like, why do you get to cast that on him when, it's you know, what, 60% of marriages fail in this country? Get the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? Like, infidelity, yep. come on. Everybody knows somebody that's doing it. Why he is held to a, a greater standard just because he's an athlete? I mean, he has better exposure than any of us do. So to criticize him for that, and I think just the – the exposure of his personal life. He'd always been such a private dude. I think that and the shame of having to answer for anything he'd ever done is what really brought him down. And then, you know, people may not believe it, but stress does crazy shit to the body. So the the magnitude of injuries that he suffered afterwards, I think uh, the stress of that whole ordeal played a large part in and um, you know, the, for it being uh, a lazy old fat man sport, uh, if you're playing a su- exceptional golf and you're getting the distance and in, in the the club speed on that Tiger was, that takes a lot of torque and, and some of the injuries that he sustained to his lower back, to his knees, stuff like that, all part of that golf swing. Um, but just the fact that he was able to come through and become so revered and so loved in that moment and then when he won the Masters – in uh, 19 oh. was just unbelievable. I can remember sitting at um, a cheesecake factory. It was just me and my son. The girls were out shopping. We were just finishing up a dance competition. And Beckon and I had watched as much as we could. I, I'd say we sat in the hotel room, he and I, and watched at least six hours of golf that weekend. And that's saying we were at the this dance competition all day. So when we got there Sunday, was sitting down to eat, and it was just him and I, and we watched the latter part of that fourth round unfold. You know, it was just such a cool event, such a cool thing to share with him, and just, I mean, that'll that'll be a lasting image for me for the rest of my life. But uh, here's the hoping that he gets back, but then on the same side, maybe I don't hope that he gets back because if he comes back just a, a tattered version of himself and never can go back to that elite level of competition. I don't know if it'd be worth seeing it. You know, I'd be like uh like when Jordan came back with the Wizards and averaged 11 points a game, it just wasn't anything to see.
1: Yeah. I think I think Tiger I as much as it hurts my heart to say it, I I think you should hang him up um after this, especially if it's going to be Outrageously difficult for him to come back. Um, since he's had as many back surgeries as he's had, and surgeries on his knees and everything, he hasn't been the Tiger Woods I remember watching growing up. But I love to see it. I genuinely want to see Tiger, and I want to see I want to see Tiger and Charlie do the father-son stuff. I want to see I want to see his focus kind of switch to his kids just yes. because I, th- I think he's gonna I, th- I think he has done enough for the sport and his legacy is absolutely set that he can retire and be the same and be, and be good with life I genuinely can't wait to see Charlie Woods here in 10, 15 years
0: though. Yeah, that would be that would definitely be cool. Um, you know, and, and if he plays in the father-son classic type of games, uh the the, the par three challenges at at um, the masters, you know, those things, those are things that he doesn't necessarily have to be old tiger. Tiger could be ten percent tiger and whoop my fucking ass on oh, any yeah. golf course on any day and I'd be at my best. So, um Exactly. Even him just and just him if he were to switch to that just being, you know, Father Eldrick instead of um yep. superstar Tiger, I think it would make him seem more human. And and I think the the humanization of Tiger Woods has been what has really ingratiated me to him in the last 10 years. You know, just him seeming yeah. more human, him seeming to to regain a, a an enjoyment of life, has made him seem more like a real dude and not like some fucking godly figure. It was just, it was just his downfall was so hard to predict. It was impossible to predict that it almost it, it, it recentered everything. It, it brought some normalcy back to golf because for. What 10-12 years? Nobody could touch him. He fucking killed everybody. And nobody. It made touch. It, like who's ever won the Masters by eight strokes, or you know, the US Open by fucking seven strokes. I mean, just, just killed dudes. And it was just it was it got to the point where you know LeBron at his best, Jordan at his best, Pig Manning at his best, Aaron Rodgers at his best, the greatest of all greats in baseball. They have never been so untouchable as he was. There has never been a more dominant run. I mean, you know, you got guys like, um, say, Nolan Ryan, with how many strikeouts ahead of everybody else he is, nobody's ever going to catch him, okay? Nobody's ever going to have uh, uh, the the number of touchdown receptions that Jerry Rice had. There's some things that uh, you're never going to see anybody equal but on any given day, there's been guys that have played that well. You know, C.C. Sabathia has been d- dominant. Pedro Martinez was dominant in the way that Nolan Ryan was. Uh, Roger Clemens was dominant, even pre-steroids the way that Roger Clem, or that Nolan Ryan was. Um, in football, Randy Moss, Kelvin uh, Johnson, guys like that have, uh, have approached the level of dominance that those guys were. Nobody has ever been that good to where every week that Tiger showed up, you knew that on Sunday he was going to wear his red polo and he was going to fuck you up. Nobody's ever done it like that.
1: Yeah. he. Uh, I think that is the greatest thing about Tiger. I think it was more his the, the psychology that if Tiger was in the hunt, he may not have been in the lead, but if he was playing in the last group or the last two groups – and you knew that that red polo was getting put on.
0: Oh yeah, dude. He, he beat guys as they were announcing the first hole tee box on Sunday. Those when because. those guys stood next to him and they were all announced as you know whatever, and then from Jupiter, Florida, Eldrick Tiger Woods. You fuck. They were beat already. If they were standing there with him on Sunday or anywhere near him, if they could hear the gallery that was surrounding him, they knew they'd been beat because they, they beat themselves. They did not believe that they were going to beat him, and they lost the second he got to them on Sunday. That was it. And, and Tiger Woods was like – Never been a eh, finisher like that.
1: Yeah. T- Tiger was like, all right, cool. You heard my name. Your entire body language changed. Game's over. Let's go golf.
0: Right, right. You heard my name, and I don't give a fuck what your name is. Exactly. You know, that was it. <laughs> so, you know, I I, I raised this glass to to the greatest of all time, and even, even if Jack was a Buckeye, it's not even close in my opinion. Um, I agree. Here's the tiger. Get well, dude. Heal up. I know you'll never hear this. You don't give a shit about what I say. This podcast and 50 cents will get you a cup of coffee, but, <laughs> um, you know, just, I hope he gets better. And if he can get back to form, I hope he plays again. If he can't, I, I'd rather not see it. Just, just go to being dad, be a hell of a dad and, and enjoy your your boy play because, um, I could play from the ladies tees and that little shit would beat me today too. So <laughs> absolutely. So, um, NFL's been really slow-moving. However, uh, there's there's some progressive speculation on a few guys, uh, some new developments in the worlds of, say, Russell Wilson uh, requesting – well, not officially requesting a trade. Totally happy in Seattle, but has a 14-wish list. What the fuck does that mean? Um, yeah. You know, it's like me telling my wife, hey, you know, babe, I love you, but if – Jill or Angelina or Sammy or this other gal. If they were to come calling, I might fuck around on you. I can't say. You know what I mean? Like, get the fuck out of here. There's no loyalty exactly. there. That doesn't make any sense. Exactly. <laughs> That's just stupid. But, yeah, he's a happy guy in, uh, happy guy in Seattle. But I think... I think we talked about this last time. Um, when you ask for that kind of money, you understand that the team is only capable of doling out so much. So, do you want a good supporting cast or do you want your money? If you choose your money, then you're fucked. That's just my opinion. Tom Brady's never been the most the, the highest paid guy in at his position. LeBron has never been the highest-paid guy in and in, in the NBA, and they've spent money to create winning environments. If you don't sacrifice in that way, then get fucked. A um, little bit of speculation on the three teams that seem to be in the running for Sir J.J. Watt that you would like to see go to Cleveland. I don't care where he goes. <laughs> um, I'm not a Cleveland fan. Let's say I I – I predicted one of those pretty hard Tennessee Titans. Cause I said he'd be Clowney's, uh, replacement. That's my prediction. I, I, I'll stick with that, that he'll go there. Um, Buffalo was another and green Bay was another of those three franchises. Um, what do you think is the best fit for JJ Watts services? Um, I think
1: that's, that's tough. Um, I think he, I think he'd fit in well with uh, in, uh, Houston, not Houston, Tennessee, because uh, Vrabel was at uh, Houston with him. Correct, and I I think Vrabel would would be able to utilize him well, especially on in the later parts of his career. Like he is, um, I think I think Buffalo's an interesting interesting place for him to land because Buffalo's defense was pretty decent this past season. Um, if you go, if Buffalo goes and gets him, and in the draft, they go ahead and draft themselves a really good edge rusher, J.J. Watt doesn't have to be your every down guy then. Um, and he can, he can be a more specialty guy. Extend his career a little bit. Um, I think Buffalo or Green Bay honestly has the best chances for him to go win a championship. Um, I don't. I don't think Green Bay is going to have a whole lot of chances left. Aaron Rodgers is towards the end of his career, he's getting up there in age. So I think Buffalo would. Buffalo or Tennessee would be the best fit. I think Vrabel would probably overuse him. Because they don't have a whole lot in Tennessee. But yeah, I think good. Buffalo...
0: That's a be fucking a, fine point. Yeah, Dude, that's, a really a good point. Good. that's a really good point. That's a really good point. So you say Buffalo. I think Buffalo would be a good... Buffalo's Buffalo. the ideal. Um, yeah. I'll say that. And, and uh, I like that take. Because of the others, Buffalo will have the easiest path to... The postseason, uh, the easiest path to a potential home field through the playoffs. Yep. Um, The reason I like him in Tennessee is because, for one, Mike Vrabel's my dude. You know what I mean? He's uh, one of the all-time Buckeye greats. Um, Uh He was a coach at Ohio State before he went to Houston uh, to take his first NFL job. I like the dude. I, I like the fact that he is willing to to be so gritty as a coach to to manufacture wins. Um, yep. You know, my brother gave a gave me a, a take on him uh, a while back on one of our shows, and uh, said he's approaching the Bill Belichick level of hatred because he's willing willing to manipulate a rule just enough to where it's not illegal, but you're really no. skating on. Uh, on diplomacy as to whether or not you exploit certain things and uh you know i like a guy like that i like the bad guy you know what i mean uh, professional wrestling i was a huge razor ramon fan that fucker called himself the bad guy hey yo um so but my i think he's a good fit in tennessee because in the ways that Clowney did not work out as it was expected. He was expected to be a a, a playmaker, like a difference maker. Um, He was not. And even if J.J. Watt goes in and has the same type of play and effect on the field, where he will make the biggest difference is in the defensive huddle, on the bench, in between series, and in the locker room. He's going to teach those kids the the knock on Clowney ever since Carolina, South Carolina, uh, mind you um was that he took plays off and jj watt has never been a dude that took plays off i mean that's why he gets hurt all the goddamn time because his motor is in fifth gear 100 miles an hour all the time and he's running into fucking brick walls constantly you know what i'm saying and being able to teach a younger batch um tennessee's got a kid named harold landry pretty sure that's his name i i I won't carve it in stone but i'm pretty decent, and I'm not in the bag yet. So he's an a outside backer, kind of hybrid outside backer end guy from Boston College. Knock on him has always been that he's kind of lazy, doesn't study the schemes, doesn't do shit like that, which isn't going to equate to a, a positive type of outcome when you go to that next level where everybody's the same stud athlete that you are. Having a guy like J.J. Watt, Landry's in an uh, end-of-his-rookie-year kind of a situation or a rookie deal kind of a situation. Having a guy like J.J. Watt could be the difference between taking that kid from a bust to a potential second contract stud. And I think teams like Tennessee that they've got a lot of pieces. They just need a spark and a little bit of spunk and then a little bit of how you take being good and translate that into... Performing every Sunday, guy like J.J. Watt succeeds at that. Um, the reason I don't like Green Bay is because I feel, outside of Jair Alexander, um, I just do not see that defense being to the point where we're good, J.J. Watt and his influence makes us elite. I yeah. want J.J. Watt at this point in his career, as much as um, – I'm not a big Wisconsin football fan, and I despise J.J. Watt when he was at Wisconsin. Uh, I just feel like for what he has contributed to professionalism and just his charitable work and just being a solid dude, I want him to have that opportunity to size that ring up and play on a contender that's a real contender. Uh, The the few years that Houston contended in his – in his tenure weren't real. There was never a real threat for a championship. I want him to have that opportunity. I feel like Green Bay's defense will eventually falter. Ask Tom Brady and, and Scotty fucking Miller. I mean, how do you give up that shit over your head at the end of the second or first half? Jesus Christ. Like that's just I that's not gonna be a championship defense. Um so I think we're narrowing it down to If those are the three legitimate shots, I say Buffalo or Tennessee. I go Tennessee for certain reasons. I feel like your take is probably the best, that Buffalo for everything considered is probably the best fit, best opportunity for him. Um, So it's it's down to that. And and I, I only go Tennessee for my obvious biased reasons. Buffalo probably is the best fit. What do you want to talk about? NFL. Let's do this. Let's,
1: let's stick on that Russell
0: Wilson thing there. Let's – uh,
1: I want to know of the four teams he listed, Chicago, the
0: Saints, and then I forget the other two. Dallas was one. Dallas. Chicago, New Orleans, Dallas, Vegas. Oh, okay. Vegas was okay. the other. Um, You want to know the best option for that? It's yeah, an easy two, I, for I that. easy two for me. I got to take Easy two for me um depending on how this offseason shakes out if one guy joins Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara on that offense it's the Saints hands down (laughs) it's easy the Saints um you're talking one of the top two to three receivers in football and one of the most multi or most effective multi-dimensional backs in football uh uh AK-47 is just ridiculous so yeah. however as present if maybe New Orleans loses a guy, maybe loses a little bit on the line um you could actually see what that Dallas Cowboys offense is worth because Mari Cooper is a baller. You've yep. got CD Lamb. Yep. You've got Michael Gallup who if if Michael Gallup is your number 3 Or you can slide CeeDee Lamb into the slot. Holy shit, y'all. And uh, hate me for it. Zeke Elliott is the most complete back in football, period. And in my opinion, I hope they pay the shit out of Dak Prescott because that looks good for my Eagles eventually when we get our shit straight because that infinitely weakens the division because Dak Prescott is not the dude. He is not. Period. So Russell Wilson goes to Dallas. I'm fucked. <laughs> but if Russell Wilson goes to a Saints team that doesn't uh, lose much, that's his best chance to win a Super Bowl. Dallas's defense is still hot garbage. So, yeah, my my two takes on that were.
1: I was all right if he landed in, um, if he landed in New Orleans, that was cool because Russell Wilson's definitely going to win at least one more ring if he goes to New Orleans. Plain and simple. Um,
0: That's strong, yeah, strong possibility. Um,
1: I, I think the Chicago move is what is an interesting take for me. Because hmm. Dallas has the weapons. So I can understand wanting to go to Dallas. But Chicago's got the defense.
0: Oh, yeah. Chicago, top, five, top five defense in football.
1: Exactly. Chicago's got the defense to go win you a championship, but right. if defense wins championships.
0: Hmm. I could see Hey, I tell you what, let me cut you off two seconds. I'm going to cut this. We'll come right back. All right. And we're back. Uh, February 26th, episode number two, the JV Bench Show. Tonight we're brought to you by Jessica Hepp Photography. She's out of Vermillion, Ohio. I know the gal well. Um, She's a a fantastic person. She really has a good eye for just – just pictures and capturing a moment in general. She speaks very passionately of it. She's spoken to me a, a lot about it, just countless hours. That um, And you can just feel it. You, you talk to her. She's excellent with kids. She's excellent with people. She puts up with my shit all the time, 40 hours a week. So yeah, the gal's got some tolerance. Might be her greatest attribute. But uh, just excellent, excellent work. Very personable very approachable, open-minded, and, and younger, fresh. Got ideas that really match the younger generations and how they want to capture the moment of their newly found families and such. So Jessica Hep Photography, you can find her on Facebook at, oddly enough, Jessica Hep Photography. Uh, Jess, I know you'll kill them with kindness and uh, give them your best work. Tell, them that, tell her that uh, the JV bench crew sent you. And she'll charge you full price. So <laughs> we're back to the Russell Wilson topic, and Ricky pitched up the Chicago Bears. Um, great defense, like you say. And give me your thoughts on the offense, though. That's what I want to know because I'm not sold on Chicago's offensive scheme nor weapons.
1: Uh, neither am I. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sold on it either. However, I feel like Russell is I feel like Russell's the type of guy that can uplift those um, those subpar players. When I say subpar as if they're not getting paid millions of fucking dollars to play football. <laughs> I'm not.
0: But you got to appreciate the level. Yeah, you know, there's there's superstars in the NFL, and there's just guys. They're yeah, surrounded yeah. by a lot of just guys. I, I think he I think he is the type of
1: person, leader, um, worker that can can lift some guys up and put guys in situations to be successful. Now, can one guy turn an entire team around? I don't know. Rarely. Although if if Rarely. you look at Tom Brady and fucking Tampa Bay, all of a sudden they're winning Super Bowls and that's bullshit.
0: <laughs> uh, but um, honestly dude think of it like this so Tampa Bay was a fringe playoff team with Jim uh Jameis Winston throwing what 31 picks yep add Tom Brady and like let's not bullshit it here the talent that they brought in around him if Winston would have had Gronk would have had Leonard Fournette would have had some of the pieces on defense. That's a totally different fucking team. So it's not, we can't act like it was just uh, we go from the recyclables to fuck, add Tom Brady and all of a sudden this is the palace. No, that's, that's not apples to apples. But uh, competency right. at quarterback definitely makes a huge difference. Let's talk about the Bears. Let's say they keep Allen Robinson. Um okay. they make an upgrade at running back because Tyreek Cohen, look, dude, if you look up to me in real life, like posture, you ain't cut, bro. Like Darren Sproles was never gonna be your feature back because in a fist fight I'll kick his ass because I'm out of his weight class. Tariq Cohen, you're a stud athlete, dude. You're exciting. You fall under that category. You know what I mean? Let me get in yep. shape and then come at me. I'm fucking you up. <laughs> yep. So, but David Montgomery he ain't it. You know, you, you take a dive in the second round, third round, whatever they got him. You, you, you take a dive on a guy because he looks good. At the time, you had Jordan Howard. Keep Jordan Howard, have Tariq Cohen as your change of pace trickery back. Guy like David Montgomery is a nice tool. You get rid of Jordan Howard, a guy that can run between the tackles and can produce at an NFL level, totally different. I mean, we're, we're, we've we completely changed the complexity of the offense, and right. it's just not the same. You get a good back. You have Allen Robinson. If you find a way to keep uh, Anthony Miller, Cole Met at the tight end position, can do some things. You've got a decent offensive line. You know, you just – if you start to add a piece or two, now we're talking taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense led by Mike Glennon and adding Tom Brady. You know what I mean? Now we're talking more apples to apples in comparison of of the transition. You had a guy like Russell Wilson. Right, and I definitely think they need to add
1: a couple legitimate studs to the – maybe not even studs, just – reliable, you know these guys are gonna get the job done. Right. To that offense. And I think it becomes a I think they become a legitimate NFC
0: contender. Oh absolutely. With with competent quarterback play, they're an NFC contender. Oh they're they're a playoff contender. We won't say an NFC contender. With competent quarterback play as is, they are um ready to make noise in the NFC and, you know, potentially pull off some upsets come playoff time. If you add some guys that can run some good intermediate routes and hold on to the ball and a guy that can run the ball consistently first and second down, uh, you're, that's it. And, and you add a guy like Russell Wilson, you're instantly projected to, top two to three teams in the nfc which you land a home playoff game or, or multiple home playoff games in fucking chicago like that's a big deal because playing in that environment come playoff time where mistakes are absolutely crippling that kind of a environment that kind of weather especially can uh, well, absolutely so- produce crippling results Lake Michigan will make you a bitch real quick in Chicago. Oh yeah, dude. dude, dude. I've, I've been there in April. It's brutal. It is brutal. brutal. I went to yes. a, a, a White Sox, Red Sox game in April, end <laughs> of April. And if you know me, I think I said last episode, I've loved baseball longer than I've loved women. Yep. And it's hard to get my hands off a woman. So getting me out of a ball game before that shit's a wrap is almost impossible. We left that son of a bitch early. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> we went back to the hotel, and I listened to the end of that game because it was 27 degrees <laughs> by the 6th and into the teens as we went into extras. Ended in the 15th. Red Sox win. Yeah, baby. But – uh You know, that's Chicago from like end of October to shit halfway through May can just be absolutely brutal, almost unpassable. So you get some home playoff games around then, man. December, January. Holy shit, man. Like that's that is possibly like adding a 12th guy to the field. Or if you're the Buckeyes, it's like playing the opposite team and the officiating crew. We seem to do that a lot, no matter what sport it is. Shit. Yeah, yeah. That's accurate. You know, basketball, (laughs) NBA ain't had a whole lot. Not a a whole lot of, you know, the Lakers are on a slide. I think that was to be expected. I don't want to cover on that too much just because if you take away one of the top six, eight guys in basketball away from a team, can you really – Expect them not to struggle in some manner or another. I mean, Jesus Christ, he's the number two uh, option, sometimes the number one option in your offense, and a rim protector. AD goes down, and you expect there not to be a drop-off. I mean, 36-year-old LeBron can do so much, but you're still playing in the NBA. And some of the teams you've lost to, I don't want to hear it for real. Lose to the Nets, three superstars. Lose to the Jazz, hottest team in basketball right now. Like, did they – I think they had one bad loss. I can't it, – it ain't coming to me off the top of my head. The one that he really bricked a three, but losses happen, and losing AD is, is a big deal. So, NBA's really – I mean, the Jazz are a big surprise, playing well. But like uh, Marquise Morris said, they whooped our ass tonight. Come playoffs, it's a different story. Playoff basketball is just different. It is. Um, college basketball, however – has become very interesting, depending on who you ask. Uh, last night, the Buckeyes took it up the ass against Michigan State. I was unfortunate enough to stay up and watch that, and then I had a hard time falling asleep because how aggravated I was. Which, at 38 years old, I need my sleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I think I think if we talk college basketball, you'll want to say something about the uh, the. Michigan State game last night, but I want to talk about the just the beatdown that Michigan put on Iowa and absolutely made Luca Garza look like a child playing against uh,
1: just Girl, that huh? whole team.
0: But uh, Hunter uh, Dickinson, my brother calls him Dick Hedenson, because I, I think that's clever. I really like that. We're going to go with that name from here on out. Uh, just dogged him, dude. It was like 6-19 and 19 from the field, 16 points. It was just a very poor outing, as much as I hate to say it, because not only do they look good now, but they've got three McDonald's All-Americans coming to next year's team. I think, unfortunately, that Michigan's probably going to be the taste of the Big Ten for a little bit now yep. until... You know, Juwan, however, part of that five, uh, Fab Five that couldn't keep themselves out of fucking sanctions. So, fingers crossed. Hopefully, they <laughs> go down. Um, how are you going to be able to stomach Michigan being a power in basketball?
1: Well, here, here's it's, – it's funny because I actually had this talk with my brother last night. Michigan has transformed themselves into a basketball school. They are at UNC. They are a Duke. They're a prestigious college, um, great medical school, but they've they've transformed themselves into being a basketball school. And I mean, that's fine. It's whatever. I don't care. Be good at something. But 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 Chris Holtman, th- this dude, he kept Ohio State in a game where Ohio State was outplayed. He kept Ohio State in the game. This guy knows how to coach. Um, I don't. I mean, Michigan may be the Big Ten champs for the next five, six, seven years. Fine, whatever. But I mean, we we look at we look at what Chris Holtman can do with what he's got around him. If we could get somebody on Ohio State's team that's taller than six foot seven, playing our
0: big. <laughs> <laughs> That that's would be true. awesome. <laughs> that's true. If we could recruit a seven-footer, I'd like our chances. Um, I'll tell you what. You talk about a guy at Um, My brother made a comparison for this guy. I'll give you a comparison. I heard. I'll give you a comparison he gave me. Tell me which one you think is more accurate. Read a guy's uh, Twitter post. Said he is Tim Duncan with range. My brother said... He is Charles Barkley in better shape. Oh. Which one do you like better? I'll tell you which one I like better when you're done.
1: Well, uh, Liddell is who we're speaking of is, I believe. Yep, EJ Liddell. Um, L- Liddell is a, uh, I-, I-, I like both comparisons, honestly, because down low, he's, he's a dog. Um. For him being up against, because I I was at work last night. As you know, I only caught part of the game, and I caught the end of it. But he, he worked that big man down low a few times. He just out muscled him. Um, but he was also he was also, and that's that's the Chuck part of it, I assume. But the but he's got he's got finesse to his game. He's got a nice he does have a nice jumper. He can stretch the floor.
0: Oh, man, I don't mm, – I, <sighs> I Dude, I'll tell you what, that. the thing that people forget about Charles Barkley is the year that he won the MVP, dude shot near 40% from three. You know, he could he could extend the floor, especially before – there was a transition period between Auburn and into the Sixers, and then towards like the end of his Sixers run – He was starting to put on more weight and was starting to be a little less mobile. When he went out to Phoenix, dude, he really got serious about his cardio. He trimmed down. He put muscle on. And his ability to stretch the floor on offense just grew exponentially. And, you know, when he took that Suns team to the finals, he was actually very athletic, very dominant, and very deserving of that MVP that he won. That's why I think the Chuck comparison is a better comparison. First of all, Liddell, if you watch him, he is very methodical in the post. He doesn't quite have the post moves nor the post presence that Duncan did. Duncan, especially on the offensive end, we'll throw out the defensive end because Liddell is a better defender in the post, but he's 6'7. That just kind of holds you back. Duncan was approaching seven foot, but was not what I would have ever called a lockdown stud defender. What he was, though, is you put him seven feet in, and he had a presence about him that he could go a little body and then smooth transition to a real buttery spin move in the post, get to the block and just kiss it off the glass. He was, he was Lionel fucking Richie at six eleven and 280 pounds. He just really was. Um, And everything that he did from the post was, uh, was just just silky smooth and that's yes. why I feel like he's probably the best power forward that's ever played the game you know if I'm start if I'm giving an all-time five he's gonna be my four for sure but Liddell has three-point range he's shown it he has not just just brute post presence just brute post moves where I'm thick I'm compact I'm stronger than you I'll get wherever the hell I want to go exactly that was Chuck Chuck was a 6-6 power forward he was listed at 6-6 and a lot of people don't believe it so he was Michael Jordan playing the post basically in Philly and in at when he was in college at Auburn it was later that he kind of developed his game and really became a better all-around player but that's why I feel like uh Liddell is that type of a player. I just feel like his uh, his strength is just it, it's more like athletic strength, not just not just a bully. like you know, he can he doesn't go in there like a bulldozer. He goes in there more like the wrecking ball. you know I, I, I never come off my line. I hold my strength, I hold my position and I'll go right through your chest. You know, he's he's like a a buckshot. He really is. He's, uh, but in the same way, I, I feel that maybe that's a good comparison, but he's very unique as a player. Just, he doesn't have the same fire and ego that Chuck did. His demeanor is far more Duncan. His game is more Barkley. His, his, uh, he's almost a, a mama's boy. Like, like, uh a Russell Wilson is, you know, it just, it's, it's a weird, weird mixture, but he's a stud. Um, and I think he's got a hell of a pro clear uh, pro career ahead of him. Yep. But I like Liddell a lot. i, mean. I tell you what, if, um, if Michigan's going to be a power, the last game in November, every year, is going to be that much more important because if we're going to have a hard time hanging with them in basketball, let's say we're going to get swept one year, win one game next year, get swept another year, win one game next year. We're going to have to kick the dog shit out of them every November. Otherwise I won't be able to stomach it because these jackoffs are just waiting for something. They want it so bad they wanted to beat us in something so bad and not luckily enough, not enough of these idiots follow their wrestling program, which is also absolutely elite. We're you know top two to three programs in the country right now. Um, yep. but to be fair, I'd say the top four programs in the country, consensus reside in the big ten. So if you want to talk yep. about high level wrestling, the absolute uh, the, the best of the best, the Big Ten yeah. tournament is infinitely better than the NCAA tournament when it comes yeah, to wrestling.
1: You got, you got Iowa, Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State wrestling in the Big Ten tournament. And oh, absolutely. And how
0: many years has Minnesota produced talent? You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like, just over and over. Yeah. The, the top-to-bottom Rutgers, the stud program right now, like just top-to-bottom, the Big Ten is just a, a gauntlet for, uh, for wrestling. But <clears> – <throat> The the point of the matter is, these jackoffs are going to hold on to this basketball school shit so hard that we're going to have to make them Duke and North Carolina. Where if you get on the field with us in football, we're going to fucking it. smash you. And hopefully, yep. we can get back to when we're on the on the mats and wrestling. Um, this just seems to be a down year for the Bucks, but it's still an absolutely elite. Wrestling program. So, if they're going to be that elite in basketball up until they hit you with the sanctions, Juwan, because you know you're a dirty, cheating bastard, I hope we just stomp your shit every year in football, Jim. How's my ass taste? (laughs) So, you know, they're uh, of spring training in baseball this week. Not not a lot to talk about um, you know let's just let's just go in hypotheticals for for baseball who do you think is well Bryce Harper made the, the the comment that the NL East is the most stacked division in baseball I can't really argue it there's a lot of talent there man the Mets got so much better when they traded for uh Frankie Lindor I mean at, at a like a highway robbery. Do they absolutely fleece the Indians getting uh cookie and, and Lindor yeah. for what they give up like their seventh best prospect. Holy shit, man. Yeah. Uh, let's go. Uh, who let's let Give me your AL NLCS world series matchups and go with a world series champion off the top of your head. No, no research. Just go.
1: Um, NL, NL, uh I say, San Diego, LA, mm. Dodger. I like that. Um, I think I think both those programs beefed up. Um, LA went and got another starting pitcher. Kershaw is getting towards the end of his career, um, but San Diego went and got. The dude from Tampa Bay—I can't remember his name right now. The lefty—he was a bitch for the Yankees
0: last year.
1: Yes, no, he was a bitch for the Yankees to deal with last
0: year. And And then, let's be honest, dude—they that trade swung heavily in the favor of the or of the 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 Padres. Yeah, hundred (laughs) percent.
1: Um. And then AL, I think the AL's is tough because I, I see – I look at the AL East and you've got two of the best teams in the AL East and the Yankees
0: and uh, – Not the Red yeah. Sox, don't you dare. Because no, they uh, they're hot-ass garbage. I got a Sox hat no. on my head, and I'll tell you right now, we'll be lucky to finish third in the division. And uh, Tampa Bay,
1: those are two good ball clubs – um, Yankees went and added another pitcher, and uh, Kluber. But I don't think Kluber is what he once was when he was in Cleveland.
0: Uh, um, in Chicago, man, that's a good one, dude. I, I thought I might be able to sneak that one past you. I really did. Come on, now I know I know baseball, man. The White Sox are something
1: else. Uh, ALCS, it, it'll be between it'll be between those three teams, in my opinion. Um, I know Houston still has Verlander, but they're a bunch of cheating fucks down there. So fuck them. Um,
0: (laughs) You know where all that shit started, Alex Cora. I was gonna say it started with your boy, man. (laughs) Sorry, motherfucker, dude. I couldn't believe we re-signed that jack off. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, honestly, like, you know, I've, I've, I've. Never thought of being a cheat. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I told you last episode. I might, I might scratch a fucking stroke here or there when I'm playing golf with my brother. But at the end of it, after I tell him I beat him, we'll be driving down the road and I'll be like, "Hey, dude." (laughs) That wasn't necessarily true, but I wrote it on the scorecard just so it felt better. Like I'm, I'm just, I don't (laughs) believe in cheating. I don't. You know, I don't believe in cheating in life. I don't believe in cheating in in love. I don't believe in cheating. And baseball is the epitome of life. Like, baseball is it, man. Everything about baseball is pure. Everything about baseball is magical. Um, I learned how to count watching baseball, for Christ's sake. Like, it it is everything to me. And I made my son after a – well, my wife named my son after a baseball player, but I sure didn't object I think she thought Josh Becker was hot. And I ain't gonna lie. I think she probably. I I tell you what. While he was conceived, she probably thought about the Texan. Josh Becker. Yeah, she probably thought about the Texan more than she thought about me. That's like, all right. Yeah, big. You got yours in the end, man. Oh yeah, I mean, in, in most likely I won the race. If you feel me. Yeah. <laughs> but. Um, uh, I think
1: I think the ALCS comes down to one of the three teams. It's either going to be the Yankees, the Rays, or um, the White Sox. But I think the World Series comes out of the NL again. I'm going to say this year the Dodgers get shown up by the Padres because my nephew is a
0: fucking Dodgers fan. So fuck the Dodgers. Oh
1: man. I hope the fucking I hope the fucking Padres just stick it in them and give it to them. All fucking year?
0: Oh, dude, how does that happen? See, my nephew um I expect my 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 nephew Colton um anything his dad says, he goes with. Uh my brother's a Titans fan. Colton's a Titans fan. Indians Cavs, as sufferable as that is uh the kid is he's going to be the most loyal dude you've ever met in your life he really is and uh just for the record let it show on air for everyone to hear anytime him and his dad argue about sports he insists that his dad call me to get the facts (laughs) (laughs) which pisses my brother off to no end but you know what kid ain't wrong kids have instinct but yep. um, uh, also let the record show that Ricky being so goddamn loud on here got me busted, and my wife just come in and said that me talking about us in bed on our show is inappropriate. <laughs> 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 but <laughs> my, uh, I'll go. Um, i always hate the Astros. I always hate Alex Cora just because you you ruined the the purity of baseball for me, you know, what I mean? and, and you may be yeah. the manager of the Boston Red Sox, but you will for, I don't give a shit. If you win five more world series in Boston and I'll i will buy a fucking hat for every single one of those world series, I'll <laughs> suit the whole goddamn family and world series swag, but you will forever have you know, like, you'll, you'll never be in my good graces. You will have forever tarnished your name with me because you Blatantly, um, you went against baseball. In the end, of, at the yep. end of the day, even the steroid guys—Barry um, Bonds, uh, Roger Clemens—for Barry Bonds, he still had to be able to hit the goddamn ball. Yep. You still had to. It was still just the same chess match. I guess you guess. I guess better. I put this motherfucker in the bay. You yep. guess better, I look like a fool. When you start to compromise that and I know what you're gonna throw and where you're gonna throw it, nope, I'm done man. I am absolutely done. I can make my physical self better yep. and still have to play baseball. If I don't have to make my physical self better and you in turn make baseball easier for me, you're a piece of shit. Baseball is the most purest, most beautiful, most lovely thing in this world. And you've ruined it. So I'm done with you. I have no respect. I don't give a shit who you manage. And I love the Red Sox. Don't get me wrong. But um, I tell you yeah, what. I- I'm going to take a break. I'm going to refill this uh, bourbon with some ice and more bourbon. And I'm going to give you my ALCS predictions. Okay. There it is. A couple laughs on the side. Took a piss. And Larson doing its trick. I forgot to tell everybody I uh, do have a Miller Lite Chaser that I'm kind of got the nipple on. But it's just a chaser, so I only need a sip. I'll tell you what. Anybody that appreciates bourbon, though, you got to get your hands on this shit. Uh, I bought a liter. It was 30 bucks, like 31 with tags. Uh, holy Christ, man. You wouldn't believe it. This is legit. This is absolutely delicious. Uh, anybody in my bourbon troupe. Uh, They got a picture of it last night We discussed it They're all going to purchase it I assure you Uh, Sasquatch Steve He's already had it Loves it It's it's a choice drink Uh, Anything that's been around since 1870 And tells me that they make small batches That's my baby So Let's go ALCS I'm not going to put the Astros in Because I feel like you're really going to feel well. the regression of the pitching staff, obviously. Yep. Verlander's bound to start losing a step. And once your pitching Passing. goes, you go. You go. And the lineup may put up numbers, but I think they've been exposed as not being those guys. Uh, they, not to mention, Springer went to the Blue Jays. So I think right there, the Blue Jays become the second-best team in the AL East. Uh, The Red Sox are going to really have to get hot to surpass the Rays. So I say the ALCS will be the Yankees, as much as that pains me to say. I've despised the Yankees since... (laughs) The big four came up, dude, for real. I really have. I, I've, I've hated them my entire life, basically, as far back as I can remember. And I mean, granted, I've dabbled in, in some brain damage, both chemically and physically. So my memory is not what it used to be. But as far back as I can remember, I've, I've despised the Yankees. I've hated them. I hated Paul O'Neill. I fucking hated Charlie Hayes. I hated all of them, dude. I hated Andy Pettit. I hated Roger Clemens once he went there. I hate Derek Jeter to this day. Jorge Posada. Fuck you. I love them all. No. I love uh, And hey, tell me this though. In all of the history of it all, what one team gave the most fits to Mariano Rivera? The first unanimous Hall of Fame inductee at least in my lifetime. What one team gave him the most fits? Boston. Boston Red Sox. Absolutely. So, uh, well, we I hate him play. a little bit less, but I hate the rest of them.
1: Hey, we had to play you guys every year in the playoffs.
0: Eighteen times, just, dude, plus playoffs.
1: And we just so happened to get the better of you for the most part of them playoffs. So, it's fine.
0: Yeah, we won more World Series since you've been alive. That's fine. I don't care about that. <laughs> dude, I've see, is- seen a thing on Twitter <laughs> that somebody said – uh in five words or less, describe your most painful sports moment. And, you know. What doc? Guess mine. I, I bet you can't. Um, your yes. Aaron. Bo- Aaron fucking boom. <laughs> <laughs> he is my generation's Bucky Dent. <laughs> Aaron boom. Yeah, dude, I was at work and I had a bet on that series for I had to buy the whole department pizza. And as soon as Boone hit that, I couldn't like I threw my radio in the garbage. Let's start with that. And it no sooner like broke in the bottom and rattled around a little bit. And there was a page over the entire factory's uh, PA system that said it's pizza time for Skippy. I wanted to leave work so bad, but uh I'm just oh god damn, I was so pissed. But um yeah, let's uh I, I think as as much as I hate it, I think the Yankees probably will make the ALCS. Garrett Cole. I think you'll have a slight regression just because it, it's inevitable. Um if, if you go from an 80 80 game season to a hundred and sixty-two game season, look how many guys have been hitting close to 400 at the break. Look how many guys have been on pace, like Manny Ramirez. How He was on pace to break Hack Wilson's RBI record at, at the break, and it just didn't, didn't come to be because over the course of the 162-game season, there's just – it's inevitable that you're going to have some falloff. You're going to have a slump. And I think Garrett Cole, even though he gave up a lot of long balls last year, a 2 32 ERA. I mean, somebody can fact check me or fuck me, whatever. Like that's, that's, that's getting it, dude, especially in the age of offensive baseball. That's yep. really getting down like a, a, a to anything ERA in baseball right now is really, really balling out. Um, not to, it's not 99 or 2000 Pedro in the juiced uh, batters era where he was under Era, I don't know what Yankees done that in the last fifty years, but um, Pedro Martinez, best right-handed pitcher of all time, twenty-seven. No, yep. I'll die on that hill. And Pedro That's Martinez fine. can only look me in the eye because we're the same size. So, <laughs> best right-handed pitcher of all time, Pedro Martinez. Um, I feel like no guy it might be, but. Uh, Bob. I'll say ALCS, we're going to go Yankees. We're going to go White Sox because the White Sox are going to have Jimenez at another year mature. Uh, I think he's going to be a stud, dude. I think uh, fielding-wise and, and at the plate, he is going to be awesome. Uh, Yon Makata, uh, Monkata uh, that's the prospect that the Red Sox gave up, The the title prospect that the Red Sox gave up to get Chris Sale, which worked out for us. We got a ring out of it. Flags fly forever. But Yon Mancada is a legit superstar. Um, they've got him at third. He's fine there. Strong arm, good fielder, and his his bat's really coming around. I, I mean, just that's that's a very young team. Um, Yasmani Gomez or uh, Grandal. Yasmani Grandal at catcher. Is going to be instrumental for them and, and really bring along the pitching staff. If the pitcher that they got from the Red Sox, I won't come up with his name now, uh, after a couple bourbons, but he was very Clemens-esque, but bigger. Uh, just couldn't stay off cocaine and had some elbow issues. If he somehow comes around, you know, just there's there's a lot of tools there, a lot of just a lot of talent there. Um I, I just feel like the the White Sox are a very accomplished and very uh, prospect laden team. They just youth, and it's only going to get better. So the NL, um, I say the Cardinals got so much better when they added Orono, uh, uh, Nolan Orinato. that third baseman. Yeah, that. You and, and now your corners are set between him and Goldschmidt. You're talking about two of the best offensive players and defensive players at their position. The infield becomes a vacuum, dude. Colton Wong at second base, uh, just everything is so set with that team. And uh, Michael Walker in the pitching staff. Just, just it's a very, very sound organization. Is and has been. That's the reason that Pujols walked is because they weren't willing to go too far outside of the box. And I feel like they will be enough with their organizational uh, influence as well as just their veteran influence. I think they will be enough to be better than the Padres this year now The Padres are definitely the team of the future. The Padres will, within the next year or two, take over the NL West from the Dodgers. They will be very, very good for several years because they still have a very sound farm system. I think this year it's the Cardinals and it's the Dodgers in the NL. Um, I think they would need something big, but they may get it. I will just... Give you a hot take, and I will take the Cardinals in the World Series against the White Sox, and I'll give the Cardinals a World Series title.
1: I think the White Sox are going to beat the Yankees yes.
0: in the AL. Okay. Tell me, Tell me John uh, Carlos Stanton is going to take 40 at-bats in the postseason. Probably not. I mean, tell me Aaron Judge is going to have less than – 25 strikeouts in the postseason, probably not. I mean, where are you going to get your offense?
1: Well, listen. Listen. Clint Frazier can put him out. Um, Glaber Torres can put him out. Gio Rochella can put him out. Um,
0: Gio Rochella and- has not ever faced the real heat. Clint Frazier is going to strike out a ton. And Glaber Torres is your prospect. Uh, Luke Voigt is... Oh, Casting yeah. the friendly ghost, when shit gets real. Hey, and, hey. And, and Tanaka decided that the water was too hot and it wasn't as likely that he was going to succeed, so he left. Yeah, Tanaka fucking sucked as soon as he got here. No way, dude. He's been like top three in Cy Young voting three different times or something. I mean, it's just – he's been a stud. He had a, a injury-ridden couple years, but – Finally felt healthy and wanted to go back home because he thought that the Yankees weren't a team that was going to do it for him.
1: Oh, now you just now you just pissing me off.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I've been married for 17 years. Ask her if I, I... Hell, all I did was aggravate her by saying that she'd rather slept with Josh Beckett.
1: I think there's a lot of women in this world that would have rather slept with Josh Beckett than you. No offense, big guy.
0: I'd Probably six or seven.
1: Thousand, million... Billion. You know what?
0: <laughs> I don't trust their judgment. <laughs> so who you got going to the World Series? Who you got winning a winning a title? Who's flying the flag?
1: World Series. I'm gonna say Yankees, Padres. Nice. The Yankees are a little biased, obviously, but I think the Yankees come out this year. Yankees, Padres, and I'm gonna give it. I'm going to give it to the Padres. I want to see Tatis and Machado win one.
0: Oh, I think they will. I don't know if it'll be this year, but both guys are under contract for a very long time yet. And especially if they can figure out a way to either get better production. See, Eric Hosmer, I think, is the handcuff of that team. He's a stud defensively. Um, He's He's uh, serviceable at the plate. Uh, hits high average, doesn't hit high power, but Petco isn't a high-power type of a ballpark either. Um, right. But if they can figure out that, I feel like that's their – that'll be their holdup because in the postseason, um, you need to really capitalize on opportunity. and. Yep the greatest opportunity, the ball that cannot be fielded is the one that leaves the yard. So, and, and first base has been a power position forever. You know, I mean all the way back to the twenties, to thirties, Gehrig, LK line and just on through Jimmy Fox with the Red Sox, like just on through baseball first base, Jim Tomei it's always been a power hitting position If you're not a guy that hits for power, you just don't have that type of uh, impact. John Olerud, if defensive average hitting first baseman were the creme de la creme, John Olerud would be a Hall of Famer. Will Clark would be a Hall of Famer. Just Christ, Mitch Moreland would be a Hall of Famer. I've seen that dude do some wicked stuff in the field, but... um, first base has just always been such a predominantly power hitting position that you need to produce out of that. And yeah, look at Poppy, shit. No, Poppy played DH majority of the time, but well, best DH played ever played, played a game. When he played the field most, I know games because he didn't want to take that bat out of the. the I tell you lineup. what, you ain't gonna lie, you ain't lied there, Poppy. For all the bullshit criticism he gets about being a DH. When he had a glove on his right hand, that dude was far more than serviceable. Absolutely. He could absolutely play the field. Absolutely play the field. And anybody out there that would ever be willing to argue with me on his Hall of Fame credentials, and if you bring up to me he didn't play the field, suck my dick and go back and watch some of the games, especially in the World Series, that he played in the field, it's that uh, series against the Cardinals, he was exceptional at his time in the field. And there was a lot of times, even just in interleague play, when you give Moreland a day off or you give Euclid a day off, when he was on the bag, he played very well, especially for a guy that everybody just said was a fat ass. He wasn't a fat ass. He was a big dude, but – he played the field. It's, uh, Cecil Fielder was a fat ass. David Ortiz That's was just a guy that benefited from the DH position. Yeah. But we covered baseball. We covered basketball, football. We covered Tiger. Here's to you, Eldrick. God damn it. Get better, man. Get back to normal. I want to see you catch Jack. I want to see you make my kids' dreams come true. Um, like my kid, <laughs> give me some parting thoughts there. Big Dick Rick.
1: Um, right now, the biggest story in sports, in my opinion, is Tiger. And, uh, hopefully he comes back. He can come back and he can be what he, what he was of recent. And he's not a shell of himself. Um. But like but like Rory McIlroy said, let's, let's just be glad he's alive. Let's be glad that his children have a father. Let's be glad that he's still here with us. If he never golfs again, he never gets a chance to golf again. But he is the most important athlete to his sport in the history of sports. I'll say that. You said it. I'll take it from you. Agree more. Tiger Woods is an amazing, amazing athlete at what he does. And I hope to God that this road to recovery isn't that bad.
0: I'll take it a step farther, even. Um, you know, athleticism isn't the same thing as uh, being an athlete. Uh, I will say that he is the greatest athlete that we have ever seen. He may not be the most athletic guy that we have ever seen, but he is the greatest athlete that we have ever seen. The the greatest sports competitor in the history of this world. Um, there was a long time that I would have said Muhammad Ali. Uh, yep. I, I grew up as a, a very combat sports kind of uh a uh, centered family. My grandpa, which is the most important, uh, most important figure that's ever been in my life before parenthood was always a big boxing fan. Uh, Ali was, was his God. And, uh, Ali dying was the closest I've come to tears in my adult life outside of like two or three family members dying. Like no shit. That was the most emotional I've ever been in terms of anything else in life, really. I mean, I didn't even come close to crying when my kids were born. I just thought, Jesus, I hope I don't fuck this up. But <laughs> when uh, when Ali died, it felt like a part of me that had stayed alive through my grandpa was, was gone. And... It was not until I really took a, a look at what Tiger did, who Tiger was, and what Tiger was, that I feel like Tiger Woods is the greatest athlete uh, in terms of uh, just his sport this world's ever seen and may, maybe ever will see. I don't, I don't know that uh, in, in terms of athleticism. LeBron James takes it hands down. And anybody that says Bo Jackson, you're a fucking tool. Because I know somebody's going to say it. Bo Jackson it. just because I want to be a tool today. No. Bo Jackson hit fucking 240 career. Come at me. Like, get the... Okay, nah. He hit
1: 240 career,
0: but he was a hell of a fucking... Dude, he's was a full, he was a full-time baseball player, and he hit 240. Hell of a fucking running back. I didn't give a fuck. If he was so goddamn good at, at being a running back, why didn't he go be a running back? No, he wanted to play baseball because it was easier. And he still hit 240. He never hit he fucking to, 35 home runs. He wanted to do both. I don't give a fuck. So, Dion, <laughs> So, Brian Jordan. My point but, is this. Now,
1: to go off the Tiger thing, um, Tiger, it would have been probably like 10, 12, 13 years ago. ESPN did a thing where they did the greatest athlete.
0: Of I remember all time. that. Top 100.
1: If I'm not mistaken, Tiger Woods won that on voting, and I couldn't agree more.
0: Dude, I think he won it on voting, and I think he I think he was number two because I think they gave it to Jordan. I may be wrong. If you're right, I definitely I like your take. I thought they gave it to Jordan because everybody likes fuck to blow him. Everybody loves the taste of his paste, but it's it's just not the same dude. Like, like I said, uh, he just, he's the way that he is dominated is different. The, the meaning that he is given to the sport is different. And the fact of what his comeback has meant is just different. Yep. and, He's the greatest athlete of our time and probably it, it may go down before I die as the greatest athlete of all time and that'll be fine with me. I'll take that I'll, I'll die on that hill I'm okay with that. Um, so uh, let's let's find something good to say and it ain't hard because this is my show and I'm a Buckeyes fan I tattoo that shit on my body. Uh, my greatest memory of Ohio State football is a year we beat the living dog shit out of Michigan. And as the final second sticked off the clock, my grandpa looked at me and said, I wish we could have scored one more time. <laughs> so uh, oh, man. this is how I always intend to end every single episode of any time somebody gives me a microphone and is stupid enough to take my opinion. We will end it with some Buckeye takes. We will end it with positive takes. So we're not going to talk about the last two basketball games. I gave Ethan Smith a shout out last time because he is balling out of his mind. Um, just find just just think of something good to say about the uh, beloved Bucks, there, big Dick.
1: Um. Last night, I don't know if you saw it or not, but the Buckeye football team got another—I think he was either four-star, five-star linebacker recruit. Um, look forward to that shit because the slash recruiting class. I yelled at my brother for like two fucking days about how we needed fucking linebackers, and he's like, "Oh, we don't need linebackers. That linebacker room's fine." No, fuck you. We always need more linebackers. Um, big. Big into the defense. Uh, Hope the defense plays well this year. Made some mistakes last year, played poorly most of the year. But hopefully that secondary gets a little bit older, gets a little bit better. Um, And hopefully this, this recruiting class coming in, I'm excited to watch. I'm excited for next year. And I really think that Ohio State has put themselves into that Nick Saban, Alabama class that they've been on for these last, I don't know, fucking 10 years or whatever the hell he's been doing, 12 years. Fuck him.
0: Respect him, but fuck him. Well, you know what uh, Ryan Day has never done is quit on his team. And never. That's the Miami Dolphins about Nick Saban. So when uh, <laughs> it gets hot under the collar, you, oh, I'm, the, I'm the coach of the Miami Dolphins. And I, I don't even think it was 12 days later he was the coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. So um, take your bag, man, and and your bullshit. They got another five-star quarterback commit today. Um, tie something or other. I don't give a fuck. I hopefully, I hopefully break your fucking sternum next time we play. You're sorry, ass chump. That's terrible. This is a fucking seventeen-year-old kid, and I'm sitting here talking shit. But uh, transfer portal. He doesn't like getting his ass kicked. Right. Year. I hope so. But um, I'm going to give a shout-out to the women's hockey team, women's basketball team, women's soccer team. They've balled out. Um, The two linebackers you want to talk about for the Ohio State Buckeyes are uh, Gabe Powers, number one prospect in Ohio. Uh, He's a top 30 prospects in the country, and CJ Hicks from Cincinnati Alder, stud, top 10 prospect, depending on which recruiting source you use, the future's bright, uh, we're gonna kick ass and take names and continue to run right through to the college playoff, um, quarterback battle will be very interesting, they started mat practice today, which is the first step of spring practice, which means you get your ass kicked on the mat by all of your peers. If you win, you uh, get a shout-out. If you lose, you don't. There's no reward, boys. There's pride. Get out there. Get it done. Um, OSU graphics department, let's start going with the hype videos right now. Cause, uh, oh, please do. What, I mean, need they get my dick so hard a cat couldn't scratch it i ain't gonna lie oh my god oh god though the one when we broke quarantine and said we were gonna have a season um oh. if i watch that today and, and the season's I'm, over i will get chills and i've done it i've done it in, so, in front of so many people uh um, those guys crazy. put it together That's so crazy. good so good let's just start doing one like every day recorder practice with some graphics and shit, and just the the hype music. Let's get it done. You know? So, this is uh, the captain, Skip. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Big Dick Rick, Ricky Bearbaum. We're going to sign off for another. Um, You know, we might not be an exclusive couple, but we're hitting on all cylinders, so we will be like heavy polygamists i feel and absolutely 100 uh, percent and uh we'll we'll get some more get some more content out there seems like this asshole is available just as much as i am we have so, the same schedule yeah that's true that's true that's true so if this prick doesn't sleep till noon i mean come on but uh you know i'm having a lot of fun here i i I hope I can get back to six up, six down intermittently. Uh, Like I said last time, my brother's the hardest working dude I have ever, you will ever meet. Um, Hopefully, he can get back on the mic because he is absolutely fantastic. But in the meantime, I'll settle for this asshole. We're doing good, it's a lot of fun. And I hope to uh, deliver you all some good shit next time. All right, so say goodbye, Ricky. Have a good one, everybody. And I will see y'all later.